So I just want to say good morning. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. We are, well, thank you, hi. Uh, we are in a series right now called Getting In Line, Prioritizing the Big Things in Life. Pastor Dan and I have been talking about uh, different areas to prioritize. The first one being our prayer lives, because it's so important. The second is that we're made up of spirit, we're made up of flesh, and to not just give one priority, but to realize this is part of who we are, right? And last week, Pastor Dan talked about prioritizing our friendships in life, which is huge, it's so important. Well, this week, I want to start off by telling you a story about what's happened recently. So about a week or two ago, I get a text message from Jared, a text message. I said, oh, hey, someone hit our car. Uh, Just so you know, it's not terrible. It's totally fine. I'll take care of it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) If you're like me, I go into business mode, right? Okay, what happened? What was the situation? Did you get all their information? Do you have their driver's license, their insurance card? Did you take pictures? Please tell me that you took pictures. Do you have their phone number? I hope you have their phone number. And he's like, hon, I got it. I'll take care of it. I got it. Okay, but, okay, but did you get the information? Did you still get this stuff? Um, Because I don't want to brag or anything, but I've been in my fair share of car accidents, of collisions. (laughs) Not all by me. I mean, when I was 16, I was going at like five miles per hour and I rear-ended the car in front of me because I was changing a CD. Um, so I did do that. But I have also been the passenger in the car when we've hit another car or when we've been hit by cars or in my car when I'm driving and tons of cars who have hit me. Um, so I have all this experience, so why not use my knowledge, right? But the worst time, this one just stands out in my head. It's about 10 years ago. My friend Michael and I were driving, we're on Beach Boulevard, we're heading to Huntington, we have to pick up his car from the shop. We're in college. Now we go to a Bible college, but we both wanna be psych majors for grad school. And we need to have prerequisites, and they didn't offer them at our Bible college. So what we had to do was go to the community college. So we take classes together, we are studying for a test for Dr. Skaliski. He was a character. He used to put, he was very strange, secular school. He'd put like a Buddha on our desk and do incense around the room. And then he'd like try to make you laugh during tests. Who does that? Um, That's off topic. But um, we were driving down Beach Boulevard and lots of traffic across the intersection. I'm stopped and I catch a glance in my rear view mirror and it's a car and it's going pretty fast towards me. Um, Now he's going to slow down. He's not slowing down. (laughs) Crashes right into us, pushes us into the car in front of us. And I saw it all happen. And then we get to the side of the road, getting information and exchanging it. And you could tell this guy has money. He's an older gentleman. Um, You could tell by his clothes, his 67 Mustang, which he hit me with. Um, And I'm like, oh, so what happened? And he said, oh, um, I just, I didn't want to hit the brakes because they might have locked up. And if they did, then you know, that would have been bad. So there's no in between here. So it's either you stop fully or you just crash right into me and don't even slow down. It would have been nice to have less whiplash. It would have been nice to not hit the car in front of me, but whatever. Um, I kind of joke about it now because, but I'm telling you, this was burned into my memory. I got some PTSD from it. Um, I had flashbacks for a number of years when I'd be in a car and I'd look into my rearview mirror. I always look now. Every single time I have to stop at a stoplight or anything like that, or if I have to stop abruptly, anything, 
I look at my rearview mirror. Um, but for a number of years, I would see that car crash into me. Um, my whole body would tense up. His reaction was to freeze. Now you guys have heard when you're in a dangerous situation, there's fight, there's flight, and there's freeze. This guy's reaction was to freeze. His reaction made a lasting impact on me over the last 10 years. Now it's much better, I'm not getting flashbacks like I used to, but I'm still looking in my rear view mirror. Uh, and it was, it was stressful. Now today we're gonna talk about how to drive in style, not like the 67 Mustang guy, we're gonna drive in real style today. So you can pull out your notes if you'd like. Driving in style means that we are proactive rather than reactive. We're proactive rather than reactive. When I hear the first, when I hear proactive, what I first think about is in the 90s, how they have the product line for your face. Uh, my brother used to use proactive and like the toner and the cleanser and everything for acne. But the second thing I think about when I think about being proactive is doing something ahead of time um, to something that might be unexpected. So you're preparing ahead of time for something. When I'm being proactive with my health, it means that I'm going to the gym now, or I should be. When I'm being proactive, I am. Um, I'm eating healthy now because I wanna present, prevent something from happening later. When I'm being proactive in my relationships, what that means is that when there's an issue that comes up with my husband and I, we're talking about it sooner rather than letting it harbor resentment and build into something later, right? I'm being proactive in that relationship. When I'm being proactive in my walk with God or even just with myself, I'm getting away, I'm taking my Sabbaths, I'm getting my alone time, right? I'm, I'm doing the things needed so that I don't burn out because of all of the responsibility that I have. That's when I'm being proactive. Now, since we're talking about being proactive, what does it look like when we are reactive? Well, when you're reactive, the difference is that there's no gap, there's no processing or anything like that. It is your instant response to something. It's your reaction to something. So here are some ideas. So health. <laughs> so me being uh, reactive is it's the end of the day and I'm very tired and I don't want to prepare anything and there's a bag of sweet chili Doritos in the closet which are my favorite and I go in there and I open them up and I sit down and I start eating. That's being reactive. When I'm being reactive in my relationships, I'm sweeping things under the rug, uh, or my kids who haven't been listening to me for two hours, right? It's hot outside, we've been playing in the pool, they haven't been listening to me for the last two hours, I'm trying to get them inside so that I can give them a bath, I can make dinner, I can get them ready for bed, and Leland is picking on Ember, Ember's kind of annoying him, so I kind of get it, but still, and, and I'm just like, kids? Everyone's gonna be on timeout if you don't listen, right? Because I'm just reacting because they're not listening and I'm so stressed out. Please listen. Um, reactive in my spiritual life is I'm thinking about everything that's going on, right? I'm, okay, Karis's party is in a couple weeks. I need to make sure that everyone is coming. I need to figure out who isn't coming. I need to order this. I need to respond to that person. I forgot to text them back. I need to text this person. I need to call this person. The house is, is so messy. It, I just want it to be clean. Like my car, my car is a mess right now. Can I get something in order right now? I'm just, I'm gonna go take a bath. For me, that's being reactive. Because there's so much, I feel overwhelmed and I just need to take a bath. And I feel like you guys are, getting a glimpse into my life. This, <laughs> this is real right here. If you can't tell, this message really hits home today for me. When your alignment is off in the car, what happens? 
your tires wear down unevenly, right? We have to have our alignment off. When our alignment is off spiritually, we're reacting rather than going to God who knows everything that's happening, who knows the bigger picture, who knows the situation. We're going to ourselves rather first rather than going to God who knows how to put things in alignment, right? But Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Isn't that what we need this morning? We need that. I need that. And we need to get realigned. We need to not depend on our own understanding, but depend on God's understanding on the path that we should take because of him. So if I want to be proactive, number one, I first need to halt before I crash. I need to halt before I crash. Have you guys ever heard the acronym HALT before? I know some of you have. Okay, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When I went on a missions trip, one of the first ones I went on, they said, make sure that you halt. Cool. Then they explained it, so then it helps some. Halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you go on a missions trip, you're trying to work for God, but man, you are up early and you go to bed late and you're working the whole day and you're around people you're not normally around all the time. You're sleeping next to somebody who might snore and keep you up all night and it's not the snoring you're used to, it's a different snoring. Um, and you get, it's, it's hard to live amongst these changes, right? So you need to, when something happens, when you're getting frustrated, when you're lashing out, you need to first stop. We have to halt. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? Maybe there's some other things that's going on too. Why am I acting like this? So my kids, when my kids are not listening to me and I'm over here and I just want to make dinner, like get out of the pool so I can give you baths, so I can make dinner, so I can eat. Part of that's on me. I'm actually, when I stop to think about it, I didn't eat when I was supposed to eat. I'm now extra hungry. It's not all on them. Part of it is, but it's not all on them. But if I stop for a minute to think about that, I can approach the situation differently, right? So we have to halt. Um, Galatians 5, through 23, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These are not my responses. Patience, kindness, self-control, here I am yelling at my kids. No, but the thing is that we see here, the Holy Spirit produces those things in you. If those things aren't coming out of me, I'm not connected to the Holy Spirit as much as I should be, right? This week, I can tell you, I needed to be a little bit more connected because I got really tired, especially with the heat and everything too. The story I want to take you guys through today is the story of Saul and David, King Saul and David. Now you might have heard of Saul, maybe you know about Saul, maybe you know about David. David, we always hear David and Goliath, right? Little boy with a sling and some stones and he um, slays this huge Philistine, this giant. Now we know about that, but how much do you know about the story between Saul and David? David was the youngest of Jesse's sons. He was just a little shepherd boy. However, he was someone who would listen to God and follow God's promptings. Now he went, he actually played music. He ended up playing music for King Saul. Saul. <laughs> Saul. Um, and he ended up becoming anointed as the next king over Israel. 
Now, King Saul, who was the current anointed king over Israel, the reason why he was a king is because the people wanted a king. They weren't happy with the prophets that God was giving him. Give us someone to look at. He was like, okay, here we go. So he gave him Saul. Saul steps in this role. He looks like a king, but he doesn't listen to God fully. In one battle against the Amalekites, King Saul goes in and God tells him, destroy all of them. And what does he do? He goes in, he destroys most of them. But he keeps the good cattle, he keeps the good sheep, he keeps the king alive. And God said, mm, that's just not going to work for me. I'm sorry, but I asked you to destroy all of them. So he removed his anointing from him, and then David was anointed. Now, King Saul didn't know who was going to be anointed as king next, but Samuel had told him that his presence, God's presence wasn't with him any longer because he hadn't listened. Um, and he wasn't being faithful. Now, in 1 Samuel 16, we see that God sent a spirit, actually, to torment Saul because Saul did not listen. So you could kind of think of this spirit as the spirit that would either give, um, give blessings or punishments based off of if you were in line with God. Um, so the spirit came was tormenting him, and the only thing that would help him is if someone would play the liar. Guess who could play the liar? David. David came and would play the liar for him. And he played, he'd have these kind of outrageous fits. He'd play the liar, and then all of a sudden he was back to his normal state. So he's doing this, and Saul comes to quickly realize that David is anointed by God. And he puts him in places as a general in armies. Every, every war that he goes into, every battle he goes into, he wins. And it's all in the name of God. And Saul quickly finds favor with David until the tables turn. And here we have in 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 9, the tables have turned. There was a bunch of women, and they were all singing and dancing, and they were saying, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. This jealous eye turned into something much more than a jealous eye. He went on to try to kill him numerous times. One time he was having his fit, and David was playing the liar. He gets the Saul. He tries to spear him through the wall. That happens two times. Then David is like, I should get out of here. So he runs, and he's trying to hide in the wilderness. Um, actually, before that, he actually set him up as a general in a battle against the Philistines again, thinking the Philistines were going to kill him, but he came out victorious, so he didn't die that way. So then David went and fleed, and he fled in caves and in the wilderness, and Saul kept on tracking him down and tracking him down, and he could not kill him, but he kept on trying and trying because he was reacting. His reaction was defensiveness. His reaction was to protect himself, protect his position. But this this reaction was not David's response. How did David respond? Well, this takes us to our second point. If I want to be proactive, I need to engage with God. I need to engage with God. The first thing we need to do is halt. We need to stop. We need to check ourselves. What's going on? And then we need to talk to God about it, right? So chapter 23, we hear that David um, goes and he does this. And do, 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 do. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. Now, ephod, 
to my understanding, there's a couple of different types of ephods. It's like a piece of cloth that a priest would wear, or it could be put over like a shield. Um, so they're different types, but either way, it represents going to God. It represents talking to God. Then David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Caleb because I am here, the city where he was at. Will the leaders of Caleb betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. So he stopped, he talked to God, and God told him, yeah, he will come. Saul's going to come. When David's caught off guard, he isn't reactive. He isn't throwing things around. He isn't throwing a tantrum. He isn't yelling at the guys around him. He isn't doing any of that stuff. He takes a breath, he halts, and he talks to God. And this happens over and over again. This, another time this happens, David heard that his wives and his children and all of their possessions and this whole, basically this whole city he was in was taken captive. And he goes to God again in 1 Samuel 30, 7 through 8. He does the same kind of thing. And pay attention to the words. It's so similar. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said to him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. He heard back from God. He stopped. He paused. He talked to God. He heard back from him. Where Saul reacts from his own understanding, David seeks out God's understanding. I love it because the song that we were singing this morning, when we were singing it, I'm just like, I need a pen to write this down. Because one of the lines in it is that there's one voice that silences the enemies. We see in this passage, there is one strong voice that silences the enemies. David, he recovered all of his wives and children's and goods and belongings, and there was nothing gone from it. There were no spoils. There was nothing gone that they had taken. He recovered all of it because he trusted God. There was one voice that silenced the enemies. If we want to act from the fruit of the Spirit, we have to abide in Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit, it's not a rule. Like, these aren't rules and regulations. Like, a rule, be patient, rule, be kind, rule. No, these are part of God's characteristics. This is who he is. He is patient. He is kind. He is joyful. He is gentle. These are his characteristics. And the more you spend time with him, guess what? We're going to adopt his characteristics. I don't know if you guys have ever said this to your kids, or uh, maybe it was said to you, but you've probably heard it said that, be careful who you hang out with, because you're going to become more like them. And if, if you look at uh, psychology and you look at different studies, that's totally true. There's this period of time from going from childhood to adolescence. You'll notice the difference. Childhood, you're with your parents all the time, right? Adolescence comes along, you're with your parents a lot less, you're with friends more, you're with your peers. This is when that saying tends to pop up more, be careful of who you hang out with. Um, so you're hanging out with your peers and there are some things that happen. So it's kind of like a trying on of clothes. At this age, it is totally normal to try to figure out who you are. What are your interests? What are your likes? What are your desires? What are your values? So what you do is you're hanging out with your friend. Your friend is trying out this sport, so you try out this sport. Your friend likes this activity, you try it out. Your friend's angry at this, so you try it out. They do the same thing to you. You guys keep on trying on each other's clothes, essentially. You try on their behaviors. You try on their attitudes. 
and you take what you like, you drop what you don't like, and you're starting to discover who you are. Completely normal. Maybe, peer, so peer pressure isn't always a bad thing. This is a normal part of growing up and development. Maybe it means that your friends come over for a sleepover and you guys sneak out of the house in the middle of the night and you walk to the guy's house because they're having a sleepover and you just, you don't even have a plan other than you want to get out of the house and then walk towards the guy's house and hope, you know, develop a plan on the way. And then your mom catches you and picks you up, but then you convince her to get Taco Bell and go get toilet paper and you go and toilet paper their house. And I'm not saying that's ever happened to me, but maybe... <laughs> that could happen or it means that you go to youth group and your best friend comes with you and then your friend does a youth group and you go to her youth group and then you guys are actually at church about four to five days a week you're serving in the community you're getting to know god you're inviting people over from your high school into a bible study and you're doing a bible study in your home because peer pressure works kind of both ways right there can be good peer pressure bad peer pressure but if we want to not react to our situations, if we want to be proactive, we need to stop, we need to talk to God, we need to spend time with God, because this doesn't disappear in adulthood. It doesn't happen the same way as it did when we were younger, but I could tell you the people that you're around, the people you're spending time with, the people you admire, that you look up to, that you look for inspiration from, these are the type of people who are going to feed into your life. So what are you surrounding yourself with? In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it's one of my favorite passages. I had to study in a Bible college, and I'm like, there's so much depth in it. Um, and I'm not even going to give you all that, but it's really good. And we all, with the unveiled faces, continually seeing as in the mirror of the glory of the Lord, we are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Hold this up here for a second. We're progressing, so it says, if you read other versions, we're being transformed into his likeness, we're being transformed into his image. This transformation is something happening to us. It is not something we are doing. We are in the presence of God as we stand before him. Our faces are unveiled. We don't have the Holy of Holies, that veil anymore. We have none of that. We're standing before God. And just, be, just by standing in his presence, just by getting with him, by praying, by being in our word, by talking to him, we become more like him. We take on his characteristics, those fruit of the spirit, those good things that we want to respond with. We naturally take that on just by standing in front of him. This, this word has nothing to do with us doing something. Like I said, it's not a command that we do these things for the fruit of the Spirit. It is something that we do when we are in front of God. And that's powerful right there. I'm just saying. That's good stuff. And if I want to be proactive, number three, I need to respond to his navigation. I need to respond to his navigation. When navigation, when GPS started coming out, you know, they had TomToms, and then you get it on your phone. Uh, before that, we were printing out MapQuest, and before that, there were just maps. Um, when I had it on my phone, I hated using navigation. I hated using GPS. I hated something telling me what to do. Now, there's a lot of psychological issues I have. You could tell just in that alone. I don't want someone telling me what to do, but I, I hated it so much. Be and one of the things that I love when I learn how to drive is to get lost. I love getting lost. It's really hard for me to get lost because I have a very good sense of direction. So um, back over, where's Fittyman? Fittyman, I guess, would be out that way. When there were no homes out there, it's all just fields and land. 
I would go out there, I was, you know, 16, 17, whatever, I'm just driving through fields, and I'm seeing how much can I go and get lost um, and then find my way back home, and I always did. And I love that, it's, I don't, it's really, really strange, I get it now, it sounds weird, but I really enjoyed that. Um, and then I moved down to Southern California to go to Bible college. Problem, it takes about three freeways to go anywhere. Um, and I moved down there for an internship, I'm living in Whittier, I'm living above this little church, and I have to use GPS. I have to, because I need to get over to the 710. But if I need to get over to the 710, I have to first take the 605 to the 105 to the 710 just to get over there, and I need to know to do that because I don't even know what these freeways are. Because uh, I need it, I need that navigation. I need to know where I'm going. I need to get to that spot. And I knew that I had that need. I don't know about you, uh, but we have one of the best navigation systems around. And I'm not just saying God is a navigation system. He's so much more than that. Our navigation system is a God who loves us individually. One who, he sent his son to die so that we can be connected to him again, so that we can stop and talk to him, so we can hear from him, because he loves us so much. Not just, he doesn't just love us, but he has a plan for you. He had a big plan for David. David grew into being somebody who would be the first uniting king of Israel. There was Judah and there was Israel and they were split kingdoms and he united them as the first king over all of them. He was someone who sought after God's own heart. And part of that is because he looked past the sins of others. How I, I, after Saul tried to spear me one time, I probably wouldn't have come back, but he did. He looked past his sin, but he didn't look past his own sin. He would sin and he would address it. He stopped and he would talk to God. He was so connected to God. He had that navigation system and he followed God. When reflecting on the time that David fled from Saul and he hid in the cave, he said this in Psalm 57, 7. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. If I'm thinking about the time that I was hiding in the cave from a king who wanted to murder me, I'm not thinking about being just confident in God, but he is. Can you imagine how much more his confidence grew when God took him out of that? Amazing, because he listened to God. He spent time with him and he followed his direction. He followed that navigation. He trusted God. This is what we need to do this morning. We need to God, give to God those areas where we've been reacting rather than responding. Maybe we're lashing out. Maybe we're just tired and it's our first response. Maybe that's all the, the drops we have left in our bucket. Well, that means we need to get refilled. We need to refill that bucket, right? Maybe we've been trying to manipulate situations to make them how we want them to be, but no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to do it. But God can. God can make it the situation that's better for us. He sees the road. He knows what's out there. He wants us to drive in style. He doesn't want us to just respond and try to do it on our own. Because when we do it, we fall. When we do it, we're like Saul, who's over here trying to kill David over and over and over and over out of fear because he doesn't want to lose something that's precious to him. 
We all have things that are precious to us, but you're precious to God. You are precious to God and he loves you and he wants to talk to you and be with you and do life with you. You don't have to do this life alone. Like we said at the beginning, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. He will show you which path to take. We don't need to live in reaction. We can be proactive. We can stop. We can listen to him. We can walk where he wants us to go. This is going to stop us from crashing. Like that guy who crashed into me, his reaction, just letting that happen, scarred me in a way. When we crash into people, it scars them. But we don't need to do that. We have God. We can talk to him. Easy access. He's right here, right now in this room, right? He's with us. He's inside of us. So let's all pray together this morning and let's just give it, take a minute, just think about the areas of your life. Where have you been responding? Where you've been lashing out, you've been trying to manipulate situations, where you've just been responding in a way, reacting in a way that you don't want to react, where it's not filled with the Holy Spirit, where it's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Think about those areas for a second. Where have you been reacting rather than responding? Let's all bow our heads. Maybe you're with us today and you've been reacting over and over in your life because you haven't had that base, you haven't had that access to Jesus, you haven't sought that out before and, and you're ready to give your, your life over to God. And you want that because you, you hear of a God who loves you, who gave his life for you, who wants to talk to you and help direct you. God's waiting for you. He's just right there. He's waiting for you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to be your buddy in, in the car, telling you where to go, helping you out if you let him. If that's you today, you can give your life to God right now. I'm going to say a prayer. I want all of us to say it together as if we're saying it for the first time. And if that's you, if this is your first time saying it, we're just going to submit ourselves to God. Just let him have rain in the car. We don't need to take the wheel. Let Jesus take the wheel. Okay, Lord, everyone repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for loving me so much. I'm sorry for all of the sins that I have done. Please forgive me. I give my life to you right now. I give you the reins. Go ahead and, and drive this car. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And then let's all pray together for um, anyone who didn't pray that prayer. And let's, let's pray this this morning. Jesus, thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much for loving us, for caring for us. Thank you for wanting to help us out, to be there for us. Thank you for transforming us just by being in your presence, God. I choose today to stand in your presence this week, to stand in this to your presence today, Lord. Help my eyes to see the areas where I just need to stop and take a minute.
and talk to you. Help me to become more like you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that first prayer and it's your first time, you have accepted Jesus into your life, first off, yay, that's so exciting. Um, you're definitely welcome to be here. You're welcome to join our community. We come here every week, we hang out, we have groups, um, and we do life together because we don't need to do this thing alone. We also have gifts for you. We have um, a Bible and packet against that wall over there. Feel free, you don't even need to talk to one if you didn't. Just grab one, you could take it with you when you leave. Um, I just wanna encourage us this week, let's all take a moment and let's all just kind of pause before we take our next move and talk to God. Amen? Amen. Amen.